Hello, it's Josephine Langcuber here, your performing arts business coach, speaker, talent manager, and mentor. Today, I am back with part three of Real Talk. And here, we're going to be talking about dealing with difficult parents and customers within your studio. You know what I'm talking about, especially if you're dealing with youth students and having to deal with the parents. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, you know, it's just part and parcel, isn't it? It's all part of running a studio business. You have to deal with the students. You have to deal with your customers. I mean, it's part of any business. Uh, the, the unique part of running a studio is, is that when you have, you know, predominantly young clientele, that there are two sides of the customer coin, and that is one that is the student in the classroom, the minor, the child, and the other side is that you're dealing with the parent. And I've had some really icky situations over the years, and I'm sure you have too. So there'll be, look, I don't want this to be a vent session, (laughs) but I'm going to vent a little bit. I'm going to vent a little bit. Why not? I'm going to give you some of the situations that have happened in my business and um, yeah, and how I've overcome it and, and the way forward for me so that I'm dealing with that less and less. Don't get me wrong. It still happens every now and then, but I don't deal with it as much anymore. Um, and I'll tell you why that is. It's, it's really simple, um, but I'll tell you why that is in the show. So uh, let's jump right in. Here we go. Hey there, I'm Josephine Lancuba and you're listening to Business Arts and All That Jazz. I've been immersed in the creative business world and performing arts industry for over 20 years. I know from experience that being an artist, a creative or running a creative business can be a tough gig, but I'm here to tell you it's possible. I went from having zero dollars to my name and living below the poverty line to then living paycheck to paycheck, to finally living a life of comfort, happiness, passion, and even stability. In this podcast, I peel back the curtain and share with you the ups and downs of my journey. Plus, I tap into the minds of creative industry experts to discover their paths to success. I know you have a spark inside of you, that little voice that tells you to reach for the stars. I want to help you step into your limelight to have the courage to live a life you dream of, a life that you design. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk business, arts, and all that jazz. Hey everyone, welcome back. And this is part three of my three-part series of Real Talk, where I've been covering different topics that are a little bit icky, that um, are down, you know, down and dirty. They are real and I'm not sugarcoating it because I'm just not a sugarcoater. Don't know if you've noticed, if you've listened to my podcast over the, you know, what, what feels like not that long, but has been, oh gosh. I mean, I think it's, you know, we're nearly into 80 episodes. Like that's insane to me. I've been doing this for a while now since October, 2021, I think. Yeah, it's been like a year and a bit. It's nearly a year and a half. Wow, time flies. Um, So you would know if you've been listening and if you haven't, feel free to flick back, especially to those part one and part two of this Real Talk series, um, where I just really 
am honest about my experience in the world and my experience as a mum, my experience as a business owner, my experience as a performing artist, as a creative, as a studio owner, as a, you know, um, as a talent manager, as a coach. Like I'm just really honest about my experience all around because I just want to provide a safe space where uh, I can not only share with you, but you can, as the audience, resonate and feel that you're not alone and we don't need to pretend or, uh, you know, we don't need to sugarcoat our situation because the truth of the matter is studio ownership can be challenging and the hard part is really down to dealing with customer service. And that goes for any business, of course, like I said in the intro. But, I mean, I've had some doozies. I'm going to flick back to one that happened a few years ago now. So I'm going to share with you some doozies. I think doozies are great, right? <laughs> um, and I'll never forget, we were in the throes of Aladdin. I'm never going to mention names or anything like that because that that's not my jam. I'm not throwing anyone under the bus here, but I definitely am going to give you the scenarios. So a few years ago, one of the situations we had was we had a show uh, that we were putting on. We were putting on Aladdin Jr. in my studio. Uh, this was back when I wasn't just a musical theatre um, niche studio space. We were providing everything from tap, jazz, ballet, you know, the whole bit, you know, singing lessons, privates, all the bits. Um, so this was back then. We had, I think we even had hip hop back then, right? But we were still running musical programs. Um, and so we had our Aladdin, Aladdin Junior production and we had some really beautiful children come through the program as we always do. We're inclusive. So, you know, everyone's welcome. And we organically, I don't, it's not audition, but we organically select for our cast through a four week uh, workshop period of the program, the first four weeks. So the idea is, is that it's not about what role you get. It's about being a part of the show, being a part of the team, being a part of the journey and enjoying the program. And so we, we work with the kids to build them up to that point when casts are selected. So we're really just building that resilience and removing that rejection portion as well of being selected for a cast. So, yeah, that's why we're an audition-free zone. Um, but having said that, we had... Uh, a new student coming to the space. Her son was there. She actually had two sons. She came in and they were auditioning for the role of Aladdin. Well, they wanted to audition for the role of Aladdin, but we did it again through that organic workshop space. And um, and one of, her, one of her sons actually did get Aladdin and the other one didn't, um, didn't get the role they wanted. And someone else instead got the role of, I can't even think of what the bird's name is, but you know who I'm talking about, right? <laughs> you know the bird. I, I, is it? I'm thinking of Zazu, but that's from, that's from the Lion King. So I've got the wrong name of the bird, but there is a bird. It is something. Oh, my gosh, this is going to drive me absolutely bonkers right now. Iago, that's it, right? So um, one son got Aladdin, the other son got Iago, really talented kids, like amazing. Um, oh, no, the other son didn't get Iago, rather. Someone else, another kid got Iago and the other son got something else. I don't remember. Anyway, she, the mother was really upset that both of her sons didn't get a lead role and absolutely went nuts in the studio and started saying, you know, 
in front of the other child that got the role actually started saying, you know, my son is more talented than him. I can't believe he got it over my son. And she was doing all of this in front of the child that got the role. Like it was, it was gross. I've got to be honest. And I'm talking like years ago now, um, but it wasn't great. And you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not here to keep a client that's going to behave that way in my space. So after some consideration, you know, obviously I calmed her down in the space and I said, look, that's this probably isn't really appropriate right now and we can have this discussion later. But, you know, um, so sort of ushered her through, you know, exit the building, please, in a kind and polite way, calmly in front of my other customers. Like it was, it wasn't great. Um, and then after that, I actually sent her an email saying that unfortunately we're not the right space. Um, you know, we, we just don't align. And yeah, I, I sent a very nice email basically saying that she wasn't welcome back. Now that is quite a controversial move because you know, you've had parents in your space before that have been really toxic, um, that haven't worked out for you and you keep them around and it actually is not good. Uh, it's not good because it just increases the toxicity in the space. And so one toxic client becomes two, becomes three, becomes five. And the next thing you know, one bad apple spoils the bunch, right? Um, so, so yeah, so that was pretty tricky. So that was really just over role selection. Ever since that point, I made, I actually implemented a rule uh, in my studio, it's one of my immutable laws and it's no toxic people allowed. Now that sounds really full on. It's actually something I train to my teachers as well. Um, no toxic people allowed. And that goes for team, that goes for students. Uh, obviously when they're children, we need to manage behavior in a different way. And, you know, we can't just jump the gun always unless it's really super aggressive or violent. Um, which is a zero to tolerance policy there. But obviously sometimes children will do things that aren't kind or behave badly, but we, we have those conversations and we improve the behavior and we move forward if they can, you know, redeem themselves. But when it comes to a parent, I actually don't have time for it. Um, they were happy to go. That's the other part. They were happy to go because they were rotten apple in the bunch, right? So they were like, oh, fine. If I'm not going to get the role I want, then you know what the worst part is? Is one of her sons actually got a ladder. <laughs> and so that's the bit. I let go of not only two paying students, but also a, the lead of the show. Now, they were brand new. They were just come in like trialed. I think they were on their second week, something like that. So I was comfortable in that decision um, because I don't need it. I don't need you to be in my space. Um, and that hasn't always happened, by the way. So that was my first time where I really stood my ground. Uh, prior to that, I hadn't. And I've let toxic people linger. And it is it had it was just awful. So that was a climatic point of a few of a probably about a year or two in business of allowing toxic people to stay in my space because I needed the money, I needed the enrollments, I didn't want to let, if I let go of that student, then that, you know, they were a lead role or whatever. 
And uh, you just get to a point where you're like, you know what, actually, no. So I created those immutable laws and I go back to them whenever I'm faced with that. No toxic people allowed. So that's really part of what we do. Um, But that's one example. I'll give you another example because we're having fun, right? Don't we love hearing about these stories? It's like watching, if anyone watches Maths, Married at First Sight, it's tragedy unfolding one relationship after the other and it's horrible viewing. It's horrible viewing, but gosh, it's addictive. (laughs) So maybe I'm providing that same level of horrible listening, but addictive listening, you know, Uh, just for this episode, just for the Real Talk series, okay, just for the Real Talk series. So another time, and I think I actually mentioned this like a year ago in one of my podcasts or something, but I'll I'll rehash, I'll refresh. I had a parent who didn't pay on time. Oh, lo and behold, we've all had those, haven't we? Parents that just never pay on time. And by the way, we have systems in place now to combat that, which is direct debit and all sorts of things. Um, But at the time, I didn't. I was invoicing by term, begging people to, what felt like literally begging people to pay me, more than 50% of my clients would pay late. And late, I mean, if it's one day after the due date, then that's late. And there was over 50%. Now with new systems in place, just as a side note, with direct debit and our follow-up procedures that we have now, uh, we have a 2 to 5% bounce rate only um, versus chasing over 50% of clients. I'd rather chase 2 to 5% than 50%. But anyway, that's a side note. I digress. Um, but yeah, so basically this woman comes to the counter. This is when I was still doing reception at the studio, lots of dance classes, all things. Um, and she says, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't pay you today. Um, I've just, I'm absolutely broke. I've just spent all my money on my trip to Thailand or Fiji or whatever it was. I've just spent all my money on my overseas holiday and I bought a brand new Mustang. So she couldn't afford to pay me. And she says it quite openly at reception, like it's no big deal to say this, the nerve, right? Um, That she can't pay her tuition of 200 and something dollars it was at the time because she just spent all her money on an overseas trip and on a new black Mustang. Honestly, in that moment, I literally felt, I felt shocked. I didn't know what to say. Um, Now I'd have something to say. But at the time, I didn't yet have the courage to stand up for myself. And so that was really horrible. And how selfish. I mean, fine, you spent all your money on a holiday and a car. Awesome. That's beautiful for you. Um, But to just say it out loud, it's it's just gross behavior. It's gross behavior in my in my moral code. That's not cool. It's like um, you know, it's like oh, you know, you don't want to uh, hang out with someone for whatever reason, and instead of just going, look, you know, I'm just, I'm not available today. Look, you know, that's just I'm just not available on weeknights to hang out with you, or whatever. Saying. Oh my God, um, uh, like even though they've said no to you every single day, that, that like, hey, let's go out for dinner and they say no to you every single day and then one day they just come and see and they go, oh my gosh, I have been so busy. I've just been out for dinner with all the people except for you. 
Um, but yeah, it's just rude, right? Like there's ways to say things not cool. You, if you can afford to go on a holiday and you can afford a brand new car, you can afford 200 something dollars in fees, but I wasn't on her priority list. That's the reality, right? And sometimes the real talk is not just about what I'm saying to you. It's about the internal dialogue. Like we got to get real with ourselves and know when somebody says something like that to you, okay, we can be offended. We can do all the things, but they're just not prioritizing you. And I'm not going to get emotionally attached to that anymore. I used to get emotionally attached to that. And at the time I felt actually really hurt by that comment and embarrassed because it was said in front of people at reception and all of these feelings came up. But now, honestly, I'd let them say the comment. I then go back to my systems and processes because now I have a system in place for that. And then they would just get the follow-ups like they like, if you do not pay by this date, your 25 late fee will apply. That date comes. If you do not pay by this date, uh, oh, by the way, your 25 late, I do a $25 late fee. Your $25 late fee now has been applied as per our policy. And now um, if you do not pay by this date, unfortunately, your child will be removed from our classes. That date hits. Oh, okay, great. Your child's been removed from our classes. Unfortunately, if you still don't pay the money you owe us, it's going to go to um, debt collection doesn't pay by that date, send to debt collection, done, I'm over it. We've followed our processes and systems and I'm good. Let the debt collection, um, you know, people handle it and, you know, hopefully recoup it and if we don't, whatever, but they're out, I'm done, I've moved on, I've followed a process and I've detached myself emotionally from that outcome. But at the time it was totally emotional. You know, when someone tells you I don't value you, because basically that's what it felt like. I don't value you. I don't prioritize you. You're not important to me. I'm going to pay for other stuff. So screw you. Cool. Okay. (laughs) I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about because that feels horrible when somebody says, I can't afford to pay you because I've just went on a holiday and bought myself a brand new car and you're sitting there feeling the fool, you know, and that's when those systems and processes come into play so we can detach ourselves emotionally and and just you know move through it and um you know hopefully recoup that payment and and either way not be emotionally detached uh, attached rather to the outcome okay so my next story is absolute insanity and i felt like i was on an episode of dance mums you know dance mums the terrible show which again could feel addictive to some because of its terrible nature right that's human nature sometimes Um, but yeah, oh my goodness, this was, this was the most horrific customer experience scenario I've ever had, as in me experiencing the wrath of a customer. Um, and probably the worst I've ever had, actually. Uh, I was brought to tears. This was on show day, by the way, brought to tears, um, was threatened to be beaten. Um, all sorts of crazy stuff. And, and again, this has never happened since. And I know why it happened. So I, I, I think I, I like to take responsibility for certain things that happen. She was repulsive. Absolutely. And again, this was quite a few years ago. Um, but yeah, this was bad. So what basically happened was in a nutshell, right? Of how it came about before we get to show day and this mother on a rampage rallying her troops, her negativity 
vibe troops. Um, I had a coach on a site who was, you know, I had at the time I was expanding my sites and so I couldn't be everywhere at once. And I got a little bit complacent with one of my newer sites that was well far away from where I lived. It took me like an hour and a half to get there. So I naturally just didn't visit the site as often as I did my other sites and kept my eye on things. And I was much more aware um, of those other sites than I was this newer site at a faraway land. Anyway, um, the coach I had on that site seemed really lovely. Parents would rave about her. I had her an assistant as well. They were both really quite young and fresh. So one, of, well, not that young. I mean, one was 18. She was young, but she was the assistant teacher. And then the other one was, you know, about 25 or whatever. So that's a reasonable age to run a program. I would constantly be in touch with them, but the two would feud. The two coaches didn't exactly get along so they would always contact me saying, oh, I don't, you know, I'm feeling, uh, you know, this person doesn't allow me to do what I need to do and she's not. And so they just, they were butting heads. The assistant teacher and the actual head teacher on this site were butting heads. So I'd have meetings with them to try and resolve the issue and talk about it and, you know, we'd come up with strategies and all the bits, right? We'd have online interview, like online meetings about it. What also then happened was, so that was going on and then one, the head teacher of that space always told me everything was on track. So I have a plan for her, like make sure you're up to this point in your, you know, your delivery for the show, you need to have done these scenes or these particular dance numbers or whatever. So that was, and she'd always be like, yeah, 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 we're, we're good, we're good. But I wasn't going in to check so I have a responsibility there and, or, or even if it's not me, it could have been a manager or another coach or something, but yeah, I, I did drop the ball a little bit there. And to be fair, I had young kids and all the bits, but excuses aside, um, I was expanding. I probably wasn't ready for that level of expansion. I had really young children. I was overworked and yeah, anyway, my bad, whatever. What ended up happening was we get to show day. Unfortunately, some of the numbers in the show hadn't been completed by show day. This is six months of rehearsal. Every other club site has completed their tasks. Every other club site has the same show materials because we had multiple shows of the same show title. They were all done. They were sweet. Everyone else managed to, to produce what we, what we had set out to produce by show day, except for this one particular site. And unfortunately, I didn't know walking into show day that things hadn't been completed. So when the kids were on stage, I'd be like, guys, let's run that again. Let's why are you do that again? Come on, guys. You, you know, we're here on show day. You should know this by now. And and I was drilling these kids for like five, 10 minutes before someone actually stopped me. One of the kids and said, Oh, excuse me, you know, Miss Joe, but we don't we don't know this number. And I'm like, what? So I pulled the coaches aside and I said, tell me the truth. What is happening with this show? And they're like, oh, well, she didn't let me teach it. So I couldn't teach it. And then she was away and they was fighting the two coaches. She couldn't let me do it. And I was, and she was away for two weeks and I didn't know that number. So that was her responsibility. And that number was her responsibility, not mine. And this sort of tit for tat was happening 
in front of my eyes at show week when, like, show's happening tomorrow. And I said, right, stop it right there. I said, just be honest. We don't have time for this tit for tat. What do they know? What don't they know? I wrote a list of all the shows and scene of all the numbers and the scenes of the show. And I said, right, that number's scrapped. They don't know it. That number's right. We're going to end it with that um, bit, blah, blah. And I basically had to redo the show um, and make it work for those kids. Now we got up on the show next day. We got through the show done. A few kids were upset that some of the stuff was cut. They felt like it was their fault. It wasn't. It was the teaching that had slipped, whatever. That happened. That was years ago. Hasn't happened since. Now, the part that is the horrific part with the parent, and we are, and remember, this is real talk, and we're talking about difficult clients and parents. I had a teacher come in, not a teacher, rather, a parent come in and scream and go, where have you been? And I'm like, oh, my God, who are you? (laughs) I go, excuse me? She goes, where have you been? You've let the teacher down. She was crying out there. You've let her down. And, you know, she's an amazing teacher and you're. So what had happened was this coach not only had been um, not delivering what, you know, and by the way, they had been given all the choreography, the resources. I had had meetings with them on the phone. Yes, I didn't go into the club site often, but that wasn't my role. Um, I was a producer, you know, and I went in a couple of times, should have gone in more for a new site, absolutely. But this woman absolutely blasted me. She threatened me. She threatened to hit me. She got um, parents to boycott the show. So she literally rallied a troop and got people together to leave the production and not do it in all the bits. It was a horrific scene. I mean, she fronted up to me in my face, yelling at me. I held it together, went backstage and absolutely broke down and started crying. I'd felt like a failure that, you know, I didn't do a good enough job that this, you know, all the bits. Can I just tell you the, the, the clincher of this? Um, there were two clinches actually. One is the woman that was screaming at me hadn't paid her fees for two terms. Now, this again was years ago when I used to let people get away with this crap. Okay. I don't do that anymore. That's like not even a thing. If you haven't paid in a couple of weeks, you're out the door and we're done. Unless there's an agreement made or we've got some payment plan in place and they're abiding by it and there's high level of communication. Other than that, that would never happen now. There is no way someone would get through two terms of my program, which is essentially five to six months, and not pay a cent. Now, it's very obvious to me because she made a comment and go, that's why I haven't paid you because it's not worth any money. I'm putting on the voice now, the Bogan voice. Uh, yeah, that's a side note. And so you're not worth any cent. That's why I haven't paid you a cent. Okay, so she's trying to get out of paying me right now. That's that's obvious. Not for any other reason that she just doesn't want to pay me. She should have paid up front. So it's, it's just all a lie. It's all a facade. She's creating this thing so she can get out of paying me, you know, nearly $1,000 worth of fees. That's, that's the scenario. Um, now, this, that's one clincher that I actually accepted that behavior from someone who really wasn't actually even a client because they weren't paying me a cent. Secondly, the other clincher is that 
the coach apparently had been speaking bad about me to the parents. So she'd created a toxic culture within that club site. It was so bad that apparently she'd been crying to them. She'd been telling them how horrible everything was. But really what had been happening was, and this particular teacher suffered from high-level anxiety, and we used to work with her on that and, you know, I'd support her and understand things. So she was hiding the fact that she wasn't actually delivering the goods, which was finishing the routines, the numbers and the scenes. She was blaming me, which was ridiculous, um, because everyone else that was provided with the same resources delivered the outcome, except for this one person. So obviously, you know, she was the problem. and the feud that she was having with this coach was a problem too. And, and maybe I should have released the assistant coach earlier, but anyway, that happened. Um, so, you know, she was making excuses and to make excuses for her shortcomings, she was telling a sob story to the parents and the parents ended up attacking me over it on show day. It was gross. It was terrible. It was awful. It was the worst experience I've ever had. It was the most toxic, horrible experience I've ever had in all of my years in business. It's never happened since. I've not tolerated people not paying me since. And again, this is all a development, right? Because we can't know how bad things can get with challenging clients until it escalates and gets there. And then you've got a decision to make. Do I tolerate this? Now, silly me, let the kid perform. Can you, this is, This is how weak I was many years ago. I let that kid perform. That kid that had the mother that literally threatened to uh, abuse me out the front in front of all the parents, by the way, that woman deteriorated the mood of the entire cast because she was yelling and going in the theatre and trying to boycott and all things. And I didn't even ban her. How, How silly am I? So this is real talk, guys, and I want you to know that I have done things that I am not proud of when it comes to what I'm willing to accept, my boundaries. I've learned so much from letting people walk all over me, and I will never let that happen again, not at that extent, ever, ever, ever. And that is why I'm a little bit hardcore in my policies now, like I'm like, you haven't paid, I'm so sorry, but unfortunately you can't return. We are sending you to debt collection and we do follow through with that. Um, hey, that behaviour in studio is actually part of our no tolerance list. Unfortunately, our our values don't align and we are not the right space for you. Goodbye. So these are the things I've developed over time and I have my immutable laws list. I've got seven immutable laws. Um, which is basically my code of conduct, which are non-breakable, okay? They are not flexible, not breakable. Um, And I would never let that happen again. So, you know, you live and you learn is what I say. You live and you learn. That was bad. That was real bad. Um, Unfortunately, that site diminished after that because a lot of people felt the toxicity in the space and we lost um, what was really quite a successful-sized group. Um, and it was really hard to claw back that site after that. Um, we tried for about a year. It just didn't work out and I ended up having to let it go. But that was okay too because, again, it was really far away from me. I didn't, I wasn't investing the time I needed to in the space um, and, and that's okay. You know, sometimes things happen for a reason. It just wasn't our clientele. 
and that's okay too, you know. Uh, so that's another scenario. I'm going to give you one more, I think, one more. Let's see. If another one pops in my head, I'll share it. Um, but another one that I had was someone coming up to me and basically saying, you're too expensive at a trial. And I said, well, and this is well after now. This is recent. So by now, I've got my immutable laws. I've had so many terrible experiences. That I know exactly what I'm willing to accept and what I'm not. I have boundaries in place and I'm super confident within what I, what value I bring. Okay. So this person came up to me and said, you're too expensive after the trial. The kid had a blast, but we're not in the right price bracket for them. And I said, you know what? We don't claim to be um, the cheapest, but we do claim to be the best. Here is our value inclusions that you'll see in our, you know, our MMC info guide. Um, and we stand by our value and we stand by our price. So if we're not the right fit for you, then, then that's okay. Um, but just let us know how you feel, um, when you know, and if you change your mind, you know, that's, that's great. Let us know. And I said that in person confidently in front of her and the clients that she said it around because she wanted to make a, a little bit of a kerfuffle and, you know, um, and I said it really confidently. I stood my ground. I smiled. I was polite. But I told, I spoke my truth and she didn't really have anything to say after that. And she said, okay, well, I, oh, okay, well, thank you. And she walked off and hey, they didn't become a client. But I wasn't going to let her diminish my value in front of my other clients because by now, hey, I've just told you all the terrible things that have happened. I'm experienced and I have boundaries. I have processes in place. So I know what my boundaries are and I know what my value is and, and I'm not, I'm not willing to um, have that diminished in a public setting, especially in a trial where we've got like, you know, 20 new kids on site, um, at an orientation. I'm, I'm not going to let her, uh, have that over me, you know, and try and, you know, make me look foolish or embarrass me or, or that sort of thing. I'm not emotionally attached to that comment anymore. Um, I wasn't at the time either because I've done the inner work. Uh, but had that had happened a few years prior, that would have crushed me and I wouldn't have known what to say. But I also have things like a value inclusions list that I can go to and go, you know what? Hey, yeah, we're not the cheapest, but guess why? Because you're going to get this. This is what else you're going to get. You're going to get our expertise. You're going to get, you know, your costumes bundled in. You're going to get this. You get, you know, school holiday workshop included. I know what we provide is high value quality service. If that's what you're looking for, then this is the price. And that's it. So, you know, and again, this doesn't happen overnight. This is a process that I've been through and I've hit the lows of the lows with it. I mean, I had someone physically threaten me at a show to really, I had to hit rock bottom to find out what, what is my boundary? Am I going to let someone do that to me ever again? No. So I don't want you to hit rock bottom. <laughs> Sometimes we have to. Sometimes Look, I hate saying we have to hit rock bottom to know how to rise. I mean, that's, that's crap. Not everyone hits rock bottom to know how to rise. It happened for me that way. Sometimes it is a good lesson when things don't go well. You learn from your mistakes, right? That's part of the journey. Um, and so that was a rock bottom moment in that customer journey for me. And I learned so much. So that's why when someone comes to me now with something and they front you and they're like, hey, I'm going to tell you. I'm like, meh, 
hey, I'm going to actually tell you, (laughs) you know. Um, So those are difficult clients, you know, and there's other things that are less than that. Like they don't have to be all in your face about it. Sometimes difficult clients are just those that are, they message you at all hours of the night and they're constantly asking you questions and they keep calling and they keep calling and they're just full on. And it's like, oh my God, just give it a rest, mate. (laughs) Give it a rest. How do I combat that? Well, I no longer have the same phone number that I had before. So my personal line and my business line are totally different. I also employed a customer experience manager that now deals with everybody um, and all the email and the inquiries. So I'm not really dealing with that much anymore. Um, How else have I combated that? Um, I try to do what I call communication three ways, sometimes four, which is um, for really important correspondence. There's a text message, there's an email, it's in our private Facebook group, and sometimes I even do a live video on it in our group. So, uh, you know, there's just so much communication that we sort of, you know, we have handbooks and we text and say, you have a handbook. And we do all these things now that hopefully diminishes that continuous annoyance from customers. But mind you, remember, these are your customers. So if they're just questions about the jazz shoes or the hair, you know, the hair ties or what time again was it, we have to be a little bit understanding and not complain too much about that. Just have boundaries about when they can communicate with you and don't have your phone on at all hours of the night, you know. Maybe you can be that second point of call and not that first point of call, Um, having that, you know, having that barrier, but but knowing that sometimes that is part of your customer service journey and we can't get angry at people for not reading a newsletter. Heck, if I got, if, if the school, if my kid's school, primary school, got angry at me or like fed up or you know, annoyed with me or ignored me every time I had a question about something that was probably on the newsletter that I didn't read. I mean, you know, it'd be a thousand times. Like it happens, you know, especially in this busy world. Um, So, you know, there is a level where you need to be understanding of that, but at the same time, just having a boundary in place. I think this all comes down to boundaries. The annoying recurring phone calls have a boundary where you have a different number or whatever. Systems in place, uh, the bound, you know, people not paying you on time, you can overcome that with a boundary. So these are challenges that can be overcome um, by having a process and a system in place, a payment process in place. Uh, angry, you know, aggressive clients, well, have a boundary in place. Again, have a system in place where we don't accept that no toxic people allowed. We have a zero tolerance for aggressive violent behaviour. Um, things like that. I mean, once we had a parent, and again, this was from the same year, all of this horrible stuff happened around the same year. That's where I really learned my lesson, by the way. This is where I started to create my immutable laws, my code of conduct, my systems, my processes, and I started to think about how I wanted to be treated and the boundaries I had to put in place. So this all kind of happened within a 12 to 24-month period, that inner work and and writing down the things I, I wanted from my business and how I wanted to, people to behave and be treated and treat each other and how I wanted to build this beautiful community that I have now, which I wouldn't have had if I didn't take the time to sit down and create those processes, systems and rules, I suppose. Rules of, rules of the land, you know, um, because, because those things can really spoil community. But, yeah, again, back then at that time, I mean, we had one person come in and, 
I don't know, like get angry at the at one of our coaches. She was picking up a DVD or something. This is back when we provide DVD, so we don't do that anymore. It's all digital. But, you know, she was like, oh, you know, oh, I thought you were going to have the DVD ready last week and I really got it this week. And she started, you know, screaming in the in the foyer. And mind you, this was a new coach that hadn't even been on the show that she was picking up the DVD for, like she was brand new in the year. Um so just stuff like that, and, and you know, and and they're not, and they weren't our client anymore either. They were coming in from last year, um, picking up their DVD from this year, and it's just like, oh god, you know. Look, some people are just going to be gross. Really, you're going to get people that are gross. I guess the key element here, you're going to get clients that are really difficult. You're going to have challenging clients that do not align with your values. The difference is. What are you going to do about it? What systems are you going to put in place to avoid having those types of clients that don't align with your, you know, code of conduct, your moral code? And what sort of boundaries are you going to have in place so that you don't actually have to tolerate it? If someone doesn't pay you, they're not your client. You don't have to keep them. If someone treats you, your team or people within your community badly, you don't actually have to tolerate it. You can let them go. You know, it's all about that. Sometimes it's the annoyance factor. Like there are just, and sometimes there are clients that are so lovely, but gosh, they're annoying. (laughs) That happens. Like, you know, and then it's just making that decision to go, you know what? They have beautiful intentions. They just want information and we're going to be here to support them as a customer. So there's different levels and it's just about what you're willing to accept and what you're willing to, what you're wanting to create rather within your community space. Anyway, look, that's Real Talk Part 3. Hope that was insightful and just helping you see that, you know, clients can be not that great sometimes and it's just about, you know, how you're going to manage that at the end of the day. Okay, thanks for listening and I can't wait to see you back next week. Remember, you can catch me... um, In April, I will be at the Victorian Dance Festival as an exhibitor there. And I'll also be at the Oz Dance Till Dusk Festival. I will be the MC and host, so you can catch me there. All right, everybody, can't wait for our next chapter and see you next week on Business Arts and all that jazz. Bye, beautiful listeners. Be sure to share this with your friends like, subscribe, and rate. I'd love you to rate and review me because uh, if you do that, it actually helps our podcast grow and get into the ears of other listeners, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Thanks, everybody. If you enjoyed listening and would like to hear more, be sure to click subscribe. If you're really feeling the love, share us with your friends. To work with me or to simply find out more about the magic of creativity, arts and business, head to my website, josephinelancuba.com and you can find me on socials. I also have a book that I've co-written with a bunch of amazing entrepreneurial women called The Women Changing the World and you can grab a copy of that at josephinelancuba.com forward slash books. Thanks for listening.